It's your week, your sports, the new Clarksville Now podcast. I'm John Glass, along with Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown. All right, it's your week, your sports. John Glass here, hanging out with Mr. Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown. Boys, how are we doing on this Tuesday? Doing fantastic. Had a great weekend. A lot of sports going on as usual. Yeah. But it was a fun weekend. What about you, Christian? We're back in business. I'm ready to talk all things Clarksville sports. There you go. Back on a Tuesday. It's great outside right now, too. Back in business. A lot going on in the sports world. Austin P. High School. We got new coaches at some of the local high schools, uh, Austin P. Baseball and softball hit a bit of a little road bump little, in little the road quest stop. for dominance in the A Sun. But uh, yeah, season wrapping up fastly. We're going to talk about that. Plus, we are going to touch on the NFL draft and how we feel about it. Uh, still processing those emotions and those feelings. Uh, Christian and Jeff, how did y'all feel about that? Did y'all feel good? I felt, pretty, I felt pretty decent about it. Um, really great to watch. Yeah. That's for sure. They had some really cool stories thrown in there. I mean, the CJ Stroud, Bryce uh-huh. Young story, I mean, they've been friends crazy. for a long time. And then seeing them hug after the draft, I think that one was a super cool moment. And then also when we get into yeah, we'll the get Cowboys, into oh, gosh. I got a good story about that. Them boys. You know, it was a lot of craziness over the weekend. Titans fans... Depending on who you ask, are not necessarily happy, but let's get right into it. High school sports, a lot of new coaching changes. Christian, what do we got? Yeah, so Stedman Bell was hired as the head varsity coach for Clarksville Academy football team. So he previously coached at, or he was a previously assistant coach at Nashville Christian, two state championships under his belt. So he's bringing that experience. Championship caliber teams. Yeah, you want to talk about a championship caliber team. Also, having a couple of rough seasons, but he made those semifinal appearances four times with Nashville Christian. Also, prior to NCS, he also worked with the Dixon County football program. Ooh. Lending a hand over there, just a little bit uh, south of us. Just a little bit south. You know, the thing about it is he's taken over a team that was 7-4 and four last season and right. they made a playoff appearance. They lost their... Mr. Football quarterback uh-huh. and DJ Merriweather once he graduates this year, then also their top two receiving options. So it's kind of be it's going to be enticing to see what he does with that offense moving forward. So it kind of goes to that, you know, there's a standard there. Yeah. But obviously the drop off in talent is going to be there. It's going to be interesting to see how he reacts to uh I wouldn't say necessarily adversity, but kind of trying to reload. You know, they don't like to say rebuild, but reload and retool and get back at it and uh, keep those winning ways. Well, anytime you have a coaching change, there's definitely a culture change that comes with that. And that's something that, you know, some of these younger guys on that Clarksville Academy team, they probably have not ever experienced that in a large form, meaning high school sports. Middle school, I feel like you can get away with it and it's not too much of a deal. In high school, it is a big deal. A lot of these kids are already taught some of those schemes brought by the prior coach, and now they got to relearn all of that, and then also learn how this coach is going to work with them, how this coach works, how he uses his drills. So all of that's going to be really interesting to see how it kind of plays out as we get into season. Definitely, definitely. And that's not their only mm-hmm. coaching change at Clarksville Academy. They hired Amanda Marshall as their head varsity volleyball coach. So she has a background in personal training, and also she's a physical therapist assistant. So she also instructed at Orange Theory and Trifecta Fitness. She has experience playing volleyball at the high school and collegiate level as well. 
So this is going to be an interesting, you know, transition. Um, no, no real coaching experience, but she's been around the game at the high school and the college level. So, well, hey, you know, you have to get your coaching experience somewhere. done somewhere. And you know, here is a situation: Clarksville Academy bringing in this new coach, somebody also that is so new. They get to build this program kind of in their own fresh eyes. Somebody who maybe a little bit newer to the coaching world who has just a vision that what it could look like for Clarksville Academy. I think it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of hurdles to jump through when you bring in a coach that has very little experience in the coaching side of things, but I think it should turn out decent. But there's a reason that they are bringing her in. Like With the little coaching experience that she does have, obviously they interview, they vet, they know that the skill level that she brings and what she can do for these uh, girls over at Clarksville Academy. So I'm excited to see you know her work through her coaching woes and uh, see what she can do with this team and build this program. But uh, yeah, we got a lot of coaching changes. North East High School, Sam Lipsy, the new varsity football coach. Christian, what do you think about that? So I talked to Lipsy the other day, and you know this he described being a head football coach as a dream job. Right. And especially at North Northeast High School, where he's been for numerous years. He served as an assistant for three different head coaches during his tenure there. So, you know, it's next man up. He's that guy. And, you know, there's been a great response from the community at Northeast about the hire. <clears throat> You know, and that's one of those things. It goes to show you loyalty is a true thing, and it, it always has been, and especially in workforce settings. But, you know, here we have a situation where this guy, he has put in time and effort for this team in years past, and he has done a fantastic job at that. Now getting that call up to the coaching position, super cool story. I mean, he grew up in the Clarksville area, played at a couple of the high schools here, and then now you're sitting at the head coaching position. It's a really cool thing for, for the Northeast. And I'm, I'm excited for their season to get started to see how Lipsy is really going to handle that new role. You yep. know, there's a lot of different ways they can handle this too, because they're kind of coming off a five and six year, but they did have a playoff appearance. Now they lost their starting quarterback in Jaden Puig. He's graduating, but they have a junior running back in Cameron Athey coming back. So he rushed for over a thousand yards and uh, scored 18 rushing touchdowns as well. So, I'm guessing their rushing attack is going to be a point of attack for them this next year. And Lipsy already has experience working with running backs, and he's seen these guys the year prior. That transition, I think, is going to be probably one of the easiest coaching transitions for Northeast. It's just a matter of time to see how what they're going to be able to do with their offense. Yeah, defensive coordinator by trade, local guy, uh, Kenwood High School, multi-sport athlete. It's always fun to see somebody very passionate about the sport from the area uh, get that opportunity to coach uh, probably one of the best, if not the best, high school football programs of the last, I don't know, what did we say, decade here in Roughly, the Clarksville yeah. area? Uh, yeah, Northeast has been doing a lot of really good things. Moving right along, we got our Clarksville now player of the week, Christian Henderson. Man, a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, so he pitched for... 9.1 innings against Rossview and Lynn County. Uh, he came in for a relief during the Rossview game, and he only gave up one hit through three innings. And he also struck, out, I believe, five batters. So he, he shut down that Rossview lineup, and that's not an easy thing to do. Hurts my heart a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear that, John. Yeah, but Henderson did get that start in Lyon County game. He had, he actually went six innings, gave up five hits, had a couple of earned runs. Walked one, but did have a four strikeout. So that total for the whole week after 9.1 innings had a total of nine strikeouts. 
Nine strikeouts, you know, six hits, two earned runs, and a walk. Solid outings. You know, those are the type of guys that you want. The workhorses, they get in there. They'll have some good, really high moments, like with that five strikeouts over three innings, but they'll also grind through it, too. And the craziest thing about Henderson, so coming into that week, he had pitched 28 innings scoreless. And that includes pitching three complete game shutouts. So he, on the season, he's pitched 40 innings and has ERA of 1.05. And that was through five weeks. I'm sh- it's changed since then, of course. But Which you is know, a great catalyst as yeah. to why Clarksville High currently ranked fifth in the state. This Clarksville High team is showing some dominance. Anderson also has already spoken to Division One and Division Two teams. He has not. I haven't seen him make a commitment no. yet. I believe that's where we all are on that same page. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before he starts seeing offers coming in. Yeah, you know Hetland's just always doing a good job over at Clarksville High, making sure his players are disciplined. No nonsense, coach. Getting right. down to it, and those are the best yeah. ones. I think the coaches that you have to see. Sometimes you have to find coaches that are really going to look out for you and make sure. The right schools are recruiting you. Right. And I think that's something that uh, sometimes gets lost in the recruitment process. Sometimes, you know, having somebody who knows the industry in your corner is a great thing. And these high school coaches are great uh, liaisons, if you will, to those networks. Well, they have, they have, that's a good point, Jeff. They have relationships with these college coaches. Like, like they t- see them yearly. It's like not like Tim they Corbin. see them. Yes, exactly. Just like Tim Corbin. Tim Corbin, I think probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he has every single Nashville high school head coach phone number on speed dial. Oh, no. He he is very well connected in the Clarksville area. And like with a guy like Hetland, who's been around for a good, reasonable time, this is something that if you want to play high school baseball, he's definitely a coach that you want to go play for because he's going to try as best as he can to get you to the next level and give you all the tools and steps that he can to do that. But... Moving along, let's get into the college realm, boys. Baseball, softball. Here we go. Little, little bumpy. We we were in such a good spot last week. We were oh, we were one game away from being tied for first. Or we were tied for first, I think, at one point for about a day or so. I think we were tied for second, but we were like Correct. a game out of first. And then we unfortunately had a series against Florida Gulf Coast this past weekend. Austin P. Not coming out with. Any wins, they actually did get swept by them. First game went 12-2, second game 12-7. That third game, though, did go 6-5, and they did go to extra innings. And so that one was a little bit of an interesting watch, seeing Austin P try to battle back on that. Well, that is a testament to Florida Gulf Coast. I was talking to Van Stokes, uh, voice of Austin P baseball uh, for ESPN Clarksville. And, you know, we were just, I was talking to him. I was like, hey, Van, what happened? And, you know, he was, he was saying... Honestly, he was like, it's just Florida Gulf Coast, man. Yeah. These are the top two scoring offenses in the league, and that is for a reason. They are home run monsters. They are just a firepower offense, and they're sitting there for a reason. Well, and Austin P has had a whole lot of luck recently in putting runs across the board, but I'm not talking about just normal runs. Like We were putting up numbers across the board. Averaging 10 runs Correct. a game. Incredible. Florida Gulf Coast came out, held us to two runs in that first game. Seven runs in that second game. Austin P started to see a little bit of light in the bats. And then that's that third game, Austin P really just trying to battle through on that Sunday. It, it it is tough and it is a testament because right now they are currently tied for fifth. Going yep. from second to fifth in just a weekend series is a testament to that A Sun uh that is a testament to that ASUN conference play because it is jam packed. Now, yeah. 
Well, one thing I was going to just kind of poke at is the standings right now. Oh, the standings gosh. look weird. So right now, Florida Gulf Coast yeah, let's get into it. still sitting at the top list, right? They're right. in the number one spot. Mathematically, they're not permanent. They right. can still move out of that first spot. Second place and third place currently tied right now, Stetson and Lipscomb. Lipscomb's looking really hot in this later half of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if Lipscomb kind of tries to make a run up for that first spot. And we do play them we do, coming up. We do have a series against them. I believe we have the series against them. It would be following the Central yep. Arkansas series, right. which would be this upcoming weekend. Um, in fourth place, standing alone, Jacksonville State. And then you have Kennesaw and Austin P tied right now. And that's going to be the big one. We're, we do not play Kennesaw State the rest of the season. Right. <clears throat> the way this kind of pr- plays out, Central Arkansas, who is also not a bad team, somebody to still watch out for. Then you have Lipscomb. Lipscomb's the dangerous one right here. Lipscomb's yeah. playing hot. And if Austin P sees another sweep like they did this past weekend. Things can get really dicey. Top eight teams move to the move to the A Sun tournament, and that's here's what makes it incredibly, incredibly like you can't write a better storyline than this because right. Central Arkansas, who we are going to be playing this weekend, they are sitting right below us because Austin P and Kennesaw are tied at fifth, and then you have four teams tied for sixth at ten and eleven: Liberty, Central Arkansas. Uh, Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville, not Jacksonville State, Jacksonville uh, are all tied for sixth place. And we have a uh, three game series this weekend with Central Arkansas. So, again, just like last weekend where we were sitting tied for second, one game out of first place. Now we're possibly two series away from not making the playoffs. These stand. It just is a testament to how good the conference that we moved into is. The A-Sun is no joke. It's competitive. And what I've loved so far from being in the A-Sun, a lot of Austin P teams are in the mix. They are being competitive. They're going out there performing. And it's been competitive, and it's been fun to watch. Baseball and softball especially this season has been incredible to watch. On the softball side of things, same thing we're almost seeing. They're a little bit more in the middle of the pack in mm-hmm. softball. They're a little not bit more a whole safe. Lot, correct. A little bit more safe, but not a whole lot of room to move up, I would say. Florida Gulf Coast and softball realm already locked that number one seed. Right, yeah. They're 24-20 and 20 overall in the season, 11-10 and 10 in the conference. Uh, they play Southern Indiana today, uh, and then they play Jacksonville State uh, for senior weekend at Austin P. Go out there. Go support uh, your Lady Govs. Uh, it's going to be a good season, uh, Ender, and going into the A-Sun tournament next weekend. <laughs> you can't write this stuff, man. It's just bananas. So softball had this past weekend. They also struggled. They got swept by Liberty. Um, that first game went 6-3, to three, second game 11-7, to seven, and then that third game, Austin P actually got run-ruled. I believe it ended in the fifth. 11-2 uh, to two was the final score on that one. Now, one of the big topics is the first and the third game. Jordan Benefield on the mound for Austin P, our ace for the Governors. Now, that first game, she went six innings, uh, gave up eight hits, three strikeouts, six earned runs. Um, and then you look into the second game. So the second game, Austin P let the rotation kind of take hold of this one. Um, Samantha Miner got uh, repetitions, Emberly Nichols, as well as Ashley Martin all got through there, uh, gave up 15 hits. All, all three of them together combined had three strikeouts on the day for that one game. Then moving back into that third final game, the ace back on the mound, Jordan Benefield. This time she went three innings pitched, gave up seven hits, five runs, only had one struck out, strikeout. Ashley Martin came in as relief and very similar numbers. Unfortunately, eight hits, six runs, only two strikeouts for Martin. So, 
definitely a a hard weekend for the Austin Peay softball team, but a little bit more softball left to be played. Like I just said, they're in a safer position as mm-hmm. far as standings go. Yeah. So still should be looking at the ASUN conference that's coming up in a week or so. Still going to be an interesting season to see how that seeding is going to play out. Austin P could fall a little bit. You could end up seeing Austin P maybe face uh, a Florida Gulf Coast if it does. If they do drop down to that eighth spot, yeah. um, that would be worst case scenario, obviously. But that's where the Austin P softball team is at. Yeah, it's it's crazy. This is the A Sun man. Like step up from the OVC to the A Sun. It's going to be better competition, and you're going to see stuff like this. But yeah, it's crazy to see, especially in that baseball realm, dude. Where Literally, I think the top ten teams are it's anybody's within game. four games. Yeah, anybody's game. Nine that's, nine A Sun games left on the schedule. There's no telling what's going to happen. That's why they play them, man. That's exactly. why they play them. So uh, yeah, that's what's going on in the baseball and softball realm. Moving on, we got track and field A Sun championship May the 11th through the 13th. Yeah, kind of an exciting time. The spring season is a sun at tournament season. All of these sports wrapping it up, getting things done, and this is no no different. Like you said, May 11th through the 13th, one player to watch out for for Austin P. Kanisha Phillips, been performing fantastic this outdoor season. Be watching out for her to make a run for uh, a top of the a sun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun out there, a lot of track, a lot of field, throwing the javelin. <laughs> It's not my it's not my forte track and field, but uh, yeah, it's always fun to watch. If you ever been out to a track and field event, it's a lot of fun. It's relaxing. It's fun Everybody's to watch. Out there hanging out, watching Energetic people perform. As well, absolutely. You know, you just can't beat that. Then one thing I want to te- touch on, you know, like you said, Jeff, this OVC tournament time, it's really going to pay off down the road for recruits as well. Absolutely, you know, it's going to make a huge difference because it shows. We're competitors, no matter what conference we're in. Yeah, I mean, we have been performing in all sports. Basketball, women's basketball performed fantastic. Uh, Austin P. softball and baseball, we've been talking about it for the past weeks now. And you're looking at track and field, have a couple of front runners for the governors. Golf, both the men's and the women's had runs in their A-Sun tournaments. So I think, you know, the future is very bright for Austin P. sports. Yeah, it's very bright. Love what's going on with the Governors. Baseball, softball, can't wait to see how that ends off. We're going to have Cassie Stanfield. Uh, we're going to interview her coming up this Thursday, and we're going to have her on the podcast next week. So that'll be exciting going into the A-Sun tournament, uh, wrapping things up for the season with Austin P. softball. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where things go. But uh, getting on into it, let's move on to our national story, the NFL draft. The draft, draft, draft. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you two goofballs uh, start it off with uh, kind of what Jeff you were talking about the Cowboys. Yeah, so I was looking at the Cowboys and they definitely got some uh, some players that I liked. Um, obviously, the more immediate players, really that defensive line spot, Mozzie Smith, first round pick um, coming out of Michigan. Not mad at that call at all. I would have liked to seen maybe them go for a higher pick uh, of a tight end. I talked about it last week. I wanted to go get Darnell Washington. Jerry Jones called me, said he didn't want it to happen. So, <laughs> unfortunately... Um, he was in that draft room. He was in the draft room. We did, they did get the uh, tight end in the second round out of Luke Schoonemaker. Um, he's 6'6", 250. I think he'll be great. A good replacement for Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I don't know. Dalton Schultz was such a unique tight end. He was very uh, agile, very quick, but he was also a great blocker. I just don't know if Shoemaker's going to be able to do 
what Dalton Schultz make could that big of an impact yeah. early yeah. on. Yeah, especially early on. I mean, a rookie tight end, I just don't see making much. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on the receivers a little bit. But you know, you know what makes me excited? What's that? Tell me that the Pittsburgh Steelers draft class, man. I'll tell you what. There's all kinds of insiders labeling their draft classes an A plus job. So first of all, you got Bodrick Jones, round one, pick fourteen. They traded three up three picks with the New England New England Patriots, and they drafted exactly who they want because he fits their style of offense. You know, he is just a big a big boy on that offensive line as well. And I think that was the last missing piece. But you also have so many different pieces as well. Uh just as Porter Jr. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., that is, cornerback uh, out of Penn State. So his dad was a Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame talent out of Pittsburgh as well. So he's going to make an instant impact on a very thin, uh, really, secondary for the Steelers. So, you know, I'm just really excited about to see how these players develop. And, you know, I know you mentioned Darnell Washington, which we got him with the number 93 pick yeah. in the draft in the third round. So, you know... I. That may have been the steal of the draft. I didn't know. I don't. I don't think many people thought. I feel like there was not a whole lot of tight ends that went that first round. No, not a lot of tight ends. I, think I don't one think a lot overall, of people. I think you're round. right. I don't Dalton think a Kincaid. lot of people knew what was going on. Nobody period. knew how this draft was going to go, and it did That's not. That's the dis- beauty of it, right there. Well, it did not disappoint in that route. Like usually, you can. There's always that. Hey, if you can give us a perfect first round, we'll give you a million dollars. I can't remember the dude's name. He does that every year, but uh, no one can do it in. The reasons that we saw are why you got the Texans. They're taking. They took that second pick where they took C.J. Stroud, and then traded up to get Will Anderson. Which I don't know what to think about that because who knows what kind of offense they have this year in addition to the record. Because at least they're going for it, man. I, I understand that, but you know, is Will Anderson that above the other edge rushers in this class? I okay. My opinion personally. Yeah. And taking my Tennessee orange covered glasses off. Yeah. Good job. I don't necessarily think so. I mean, he is. I. He's a playmaker. He, don't get playmaker, me wrong. Playmaker, absolutely going to be a monster at edge. But I think that you are going to see players coming out of edge from this draft that are going to be close to his skill set in that. I mean, look at what the Eagles did at number 30 in the first round. They got Nolan Smith. Yeah. You know, there was some hip issue injuries. Uh, but, you know. Look at the value in that pick and the upside. Like, is there is it that big of a difference when healthy compared to Will Anderson Jr.? You know, there's just so many different edge rushers in this class who will make an impact. Will McDonald, uh, you know, I just don't understand it. You know, giving up a first round pick and a second round pick in addition to swapping picks at twelve and three. I mean, you you know, put my uh, orange covered glasses back on. There we go. Uh, you take a look at Will Anderson's tape versus Tennessee's uh, Darnell Wright. Couldn't really get to the quarterback. Couldn't get well, to Indian Hooker during the season. So it's like one draft pick that went early in the first round versus another draft pick that went fairly early in this uh, first round as well, going up against each other. And that's going to translate to the next. That may have got Darnell Wright paid too, man. Oh, I'll tell you yeah. what, I don't think anybody anticipated him going to the top 10 uh, to the Chicago Bears. So, and props to them. You know, I think it was 18 straight games. He did not allow sack. Right. So I think it's, I think they got a really, really good player, but that was the 10th pick. Yep. And then we move on to the 11th pick where the Tennessee Uh-oh. Titans uh, just really, I think they got their future franchise. They frustrated a lot of people this weekend. <laughs> um, 
we are all still pro- as Titans loyal fans since the inception, right? Uh, we are all still processing through what exactly happened and what the direction that the Titans really wanted to go. Now, round one, pick eleven, Peter uh, Peter Skronsky, that was a no brainer. I think that was the correct, pick. absolutely correct pick, one hundred percent. You could have debated going Broderick Jones with that eleventh overall pick as well, but you know, Skronsky was Skronsky, someone you can move inside or out. So I think they wanted Paris Johnson Jr. And if Skronsky was still there, maybe they wanted Skronsky first. I heard he graded yeah. really high on their draft board well, as well. Oh, like he just said, Skronsky is kind of dynamic. You can put yeah. him really wherever you want on that offensive line. And Taylor Lewan's gone, so you might be able to find somebody who already knows the system to fill in that left tackle position. He's one of his uh, and then role put, models. And put Skronsky just in that Anywhere immediate Anywhere you posi- need to. Right. The yes. position of need. Well, and the kid, and the kid uh, coming out of Northwestern, he comes from an NFL dynasty family. His uh, grandfather, five-time Super Bowl champion uh, with the, I think it's Dan Skaronsky. Um, he came with the uh, Packers. But everything on this kid, nasty, dirty, loves to get gritty. But there is one, there is one short arms. Shorter arms is one like kind of flaw that a lot of people are, are getting after him at. And I'll say this real quick, too. You know, I think coming into the draft, like, throughout this past year, he was graded as that number one offensive lineman. Right. Like, I think Paris Johnson just shot up the draft board because of how he played as well. But, you know. You look at surrounding players, too. C.J. Stroud at the quarterback, too, being able to get get rid of the ball quick, make things happen. I'm not saying that that's taking anything away from Paris Johnson Jr., but when you got good players around you, too, it makes it a lot easier for you to do your job and then just show out. Uh, Titans going... Uh, in round two, I mean, we can just touch on this for a second. We don't really have to get that much into it. Uh, so there's this cool quarterback out of Kentucky, uh, Will Levis. Yes. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, the uh, the Titans traded up from 41 to 33 to take Kentucky's Will Levis. Now, uh, I was actually sitting in one of the studios recording for another show that I've got uh, when I actually got a notification from Ian Rappaport on my phone, not personal text. I don't know rap sheet like that, but uh, <laughs> on Twitter, I got the notification, Titans on the move, moving up from 40, 41 to 33. And my brain tried to think positive thoughts, right? like, oh, they're going, and then I stopped myself you right knew. there. You and knew what was happening. Right there and I was like, no, 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 please don't, <laughs> no, 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 please don't, you're not going to do this. And then... In all fairness, John and I both, well, let me rephrase that. I really thought that Will Levis was gone first round. I think everybody did. I think. Well, no, like, I thought Titans were taking him at 11. Well, we, all th- we all thought that the Colts were going to take him, but the Colts basically smokescreened everybody yep. to take Richardson at four. I think that. I think that the Titans would have made more. I look, I don't think they were going to be able to trade up to get that three with Arizona with what. What they the, Tex- paid. the Texans yeah, were right. able to pay to get them, and I don't think that would have been a smart thing either. No, I thought that at the most they would have traded up to six again. To I think it was Arizona, not Arizona at six, they would have traded up with them again to go try and get maybe Richardson or thought Richardson would be there at eleven because there was a lot of boards that would have him uh, at eleven, if not at twenty-two. But the Titans. It was always going to be, if they traded up, they were going to take a quarterback. If they didn't trade up, they probably should take that offensive line. Um, and then they wound up going in the second round at pick 33, which might as well be a first-round pick or a beginning of the second-round pick because uh, they traded up to get Kentucky's Will Levis. Now, there was a lot going on with Will Levis throughout the offseason. 
Um, a lot of unneeded attention, though, too. That's the thing about it. I feel like insiders were just going at him for everything. Cal- this is an example. Colin Coward was saying he was arrogant for wearing sleeveless shirts. I heard that one. I did <laughs> I heard that one. It's just like, that's so unjustified to the player that he is. If you do not know the young man, why try to bring him down in the first place? Talk about his game, you know, and not little things like that. Well, the, the sleeves thing is maybe a little bit unreasonable, but like he did when he did interview with NFL teams, they all said that he was he was cocky. He was a very confident, cocky person. Not necessarily cocky. Leaves in his arm. Le- correct. He um. What's the difference between that and Anthony Richardson saying he's going to win a Super Bowl and be a Hall of Famer? You know what? That's a good comparison too, Anthony Richardson with Will Levis, because Cause they're very both raw prospects, bo- they but they have a, developmental traits. They both had some a little bit of accuracy issues. The difference between that is Will Levis probably has more of a winning. Uh, yeah, he has, won games for he Kentucky. He won games down for Kentucky. Stretch. Richardson saw twelve starting games at Florida, was six and six. Uh, but yeah, no, they took Will Levis at number thirty-three and. Rabel came out the other day, and he was saying that he's actually going to be third on the depth chart behind which is, Malik which Willis. Which is no surprise, Behind Malik opinion. Willis and behind Ryan Tannehill with the opportunity, every opportunity to fight for that starting role. Now, after June 1st, when that kind of that dead cap money whole shenanigans gets going, I think that sometime in the offseason, you are going to see... I think you're going to see Malik Willis take a walk. I think he's going to either get cut. If they can get anything out of him, they might try to get something out of him. That was kind of my prediction as well. It kind of looked, with this pick, especially trading up to that 33 spot, going after Will Levis, also, he was projected to go first round. I think you kind of have to make him at least the prospect to be your number one quarterback once Ryan Tannehill's tenure is over. The franchise. Correct. And I, I, I did make the joke earlier, but it was kind of a serious remark. I really do think that they're going to try to make Will Levis the franchise of the Titans. It's such a interesting, it's an interesting situation, and I think this is why it frustrates a lot of Titans fans. Outside of the fact that we live in the great volunteer state and love our Tennessee Vols up here, and uh, are not the big balls. fans, not big fans of people who put uh, mayonnaise in their coffee. Um, that was a joke. I really was hope it? so. Was it? He literally talked to me and Akimis about this before the draft. Yeah, tomato, tomato. But anyway, um, such a hater. No, it, this is what is going to be the interesting thing that I think frustrates Titans fans a lot. Like Will Levis is not that blow away quarterback that you take top of the first round that you know is going to be your franchise quarterback. Like CJ Stroud, I feel like can at least give that role. So. Where I stand at it, you got Tannehill with that thirty-six and a half million. I think it's thirty-six and a half million dollar contract around that, right? And after June first, I think that dead cap hit significantly reduces if you let him go. Um, but here's the interesting thing, and I was listening to some other sports shows that were talking about this in the area, and they were kind of saying, you know, you let we're projected around to go seven and seven probably finish like fourth in third or fourth in the AFC South. If that's the case and you're around 500, probably around game nine, then you let Will Levis have the reins. There's that theory. There's the theory that you let him just develop behind Tannehill and figure out if you can get Tannehill to come back. Or there's a small portion of people who just want, who want to throw Will Levis in and let him develop and go. Uh, Peyton was talking about it earlier, I think, on the Pac McAfee show today. Like, he threw the most rookie picks, 29, but he learned a lot from starting all those games with the Colts uh, back in 1998. So, seeing what Will Levis can do, look, 
as much as I'm a hater, and I'll, I'll say it, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Vol fan, man, and I'm not, I do not like <laughs> Kentucky that much. And what? I was not, yeah. What? Who knew? No way. Uh, no, I did not like Will Levis so much out at Kentucky. I was super glad when we embarrassed him this year. Um, and, but with all that being said, if he does spectacular and he's the next Brady or Favre or Aikman, 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 Troy Aikman, or whoever, if he is that next fantastic quarterback, which some people, there are some analysts who are saying that he may be the best quarterback out of this draft and nobody, nobody just wants to admit it. If he is that, clap it up. Like, I will be the first one to admit that I'm wrong, that I'm true. Are you just, sure about that? Yes, I'm 100%. You've heard it first. This is on record right now. I will be the first okay. to admit that I'm wrong. He okay. just won't buy the jersey. Yeah. yeah. Okay, real quick. I just want to say, with the Will Levis pick, the draft value at that 32nd pick and getting him, or 33rd rather, and getting Will, I mean, that's huge because they didn't waste that first round pick on him. You know, I think that pay, that will pay dividends down in the future because... He won't be looked at as a bust, potentially. There's not as much pressure as well. He can go in, learn from Ryan Tannehill, which I think he should take the year and do that. You know, I no love matter. quarterbacks that, <laughs> that get some spending time with yeah. veteran quarterbacks. Look at Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes got a full great season. Job. I think of it, I'm a Cowboys fan. We've already established this. Yeah. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. He had a couple of seasons, I believe, yeah. before he was the starting quarterback. Got thrown in to the starting quarterback position because uh, Bledsoe got injured. But he performed very well in that very first initial game. Had a huge touchdown pass. It's a famous Tony Romo highlight. But the point of the conversation there is that having that development phase as a rookie quarterback, like you said, pays dividends down the road by so much, especially having great talent and great coaches around you. I've said it before on this podcast. I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he is a great quarterback. I think he's had made some mistakes, and unfortunately those mistakes were made in like really important parts of games, like the interception that nobody wants to talk about. Cincy. Cincy. Playoffs. Um, 60,000 people at home. See, I told it's you, it's a hard important. conversation to have important. with Titans fans. Um, <laughs> but in those moments... Ryan Tannehill has a plethora of knowledge that he could dump down into Will Levis. Exactly. And I think he can go very, very far as a quarterback. Do I see ideal situation two years under a veteran quarterback and then leave Levis steps up? I don't think you pay Ryan Tannehill. Look, I'm I'm a Tannehill fan. Like I do like Tanny. Tanny has done a lot of great stuff for the Titans. After but this the is probably Mario. his last year with Tennessee. Yeah, like he's not as it should it. be. I he's, don't think it should be a two year thing. He's, unless he unless he leads us to a Super Bowl championship yeah. and they can Which work out some sort it just of cheaper won't deal. Happen in my opinion with Ryan under Helm at least. Well, I just don't think know. that th- he doesn't have anyone to throw to really. Which kind of. Which is the next yeah. point. Yeah. Which is the next point. We'll get off Will Levis. We've been uh, harping on him, but oh, you've I've been, been harping, I, I've been on, harping him. on him. <laughs> yeah, uh, me and Christian over here trying to hype him up. Right? I know. So moving right along, though, round three, number eighty-one overall pick. Obvious answer that every Titans fan was is like, we need a, rece- uh, a receiver. Need a receiver. Gotta have it. There were some good receivers on the board. Trey Palmer, um, the guy out of West uh, Wake Forest. What was it? A.T. Perry. Uh, he was really good. They were all still available was, in round three. Real quick, was Jalen Hyatt available? No, at he that wasn't. Point he wasn't available at that point. He gotten taken in the second round. Uh, I think he got he, taken in the third round by the Giants. Was it the? It was the third round. It, it had to been early. I thought it was the second. It was the third because I was appalled because this dude was probably 
Him and Tank Dell were the best receivers. It went him, yeah, it went him. In he went all to New of York. college football. He went to New York, year. and then it went Cedric Tillman after that. Yeah, immediately after immediately the pick after. after that, because they were like, okay, if we can't get one, we're going to get the other the yeah. big guy with hands. With that value, though, real quick. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish after no. this. No, you're good. Use some draft capital from next year and some maybe like mid round picks from this year. Get Jalen Hyatt. Titans gave up, and see, they gave like, up to they gave up they gave up a little bit of draft capital. Uh, for cap- well, yeah. yeah. But still, man, it's just like. Uh, well, and see, they were in the 80, 81st overall pick. I think they're going to try to go get somebody in the offseason. But with that third round pick, uh, they drafted Tajay Spears, uh, the running back out of Tulane. Great player, has some awesome highlights. Uh, just, just one problem. Um, he has no ACL in his left knee. And he has arthritis in both of his knees, I think. He can't tear his ACL. If he I have to say. One, he can't tear it if you don't have it. But also, that's a plus to me. Have you watched that dude's highlights though? They are fantastic, and you know, like all, six all, feet tall at one ninety five. Like he is beast beyond agile. He's, too. Yeah, he's a good third down back addition. All jokes aside, we're obviously playing around here. Like I hope he is uh, the answer. But it is kind of confusing with them drafting Dwayne, uh, Haskins, not Dwayne Haskins, uh, drafting Haskins last year uh, for the running back positions in the third round, and then drafting. Another running back in the third round this year when they desperately need wide receivers. It just blows my mind, confuses me. I wonder if something's on the radar where they potentially will trade Derrick Henry for some sort of wide, superstar wide receiver in the future. Like That's the only thing that would possibly make sense. Unless they just want to continue building up their running game, I think they'll they'll definitely keep Henry this year with his contract. I think he's yeah. on the last year of his contract too. Well, that's yes. what, that's more reason to trade him, get maximize that value before he hits the open market, maybe. So that's something to think about as well. I don't. It, it, this is what frustrated the Titans fans the most is that it confused everybody about what they were going to do. So they take that take the running back out of Tulane, great kid, move on to the fifth round. I think we're gonna okay. We still got. They still had a chance at At Perry out of Wake Forest, and they go Josh Wiley tight end out of Cincinnati, which he says got some pretty good plays. It's a decent blocker, uh, but again, doesn't address that wide receiver spot. So, and I think the draft philosophy this year for uh, Ron, uh, what, what's Rain, Rain Carthon? Yeah. So I think that draft philosophy this season was best player available. Just they went out and got him, no matter the need, you know, which is questionable. Yeah. But, you know, I think they're probably good picks still, especially if they do develop. I don't know that it was the best player available, but what kind of frustrated some of the media was that they were definitely trolling, uh, I think, Paul Kaharski uh, from (laughs) the uh, draft room, looking at the camera waving after they didn't draft a receiver for the third and the fourth round. Uh, And then, you know, they moved on to the sixth round. Get another O-line spot. Jalen Duncan out of Maryland. Uh, and then, finally, they do address that wide receiver issue. Uh, the 228th overall pick, Colton Dow, out of the University of Tennessee at Martin. The Skyhawks. Um, so, yeah. I mean, confusing draft from the Titans. Uh, I don't want to be hypercritical. I just want to see them... I want to see them make some moves. And, uh, yeah, and I think they they definitely have to if they want to compete this next season. Yeah, for the division in the first place. Yeah, it was fun NFL draft. Very confusing, very emotional. I was on a roller coaster. Hope it was fun for y'all too. But 
Uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here next week. We got that Cassie Stanfield interview. It's going to be a fun time going into the A-Sun uh, softball tournament. But for John Glass, Jeff Matthews, and Christian Brown, so long.